the Beltway. This is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics with occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Roberto Montano, attorney Judith Sherwin, and John Cass of the Chicago Tribune. Our program tonight coming to you from WCGO Radio. That's our flagship in Evanston, Illinois. Nice to have you with us. We've got a full two hours before you. And again, uh, we certainly look forward to having you participate at 1-800-723-8289. We had some problems with the phone last week. Lord willing, they will be working uh, tonight. And uh, in hour number one, uh, let us welcome uh, Judith Sherwin is here. She is a Republican and she is an attorney and she is a very strong supporter of President Donald Trump. And Roberto Montano also joins us. He is a Democrat. He's a real estate broker. And uh, he is a strong supporter of Joe Biden for President of the United States. So, folks, nice to have you with us. Uh, Judy Sherwin, I want to talk to you, uh, first of all, and talk about... uh, uh, the selection of Kamala Harris uh, does that strengthen or weaken the 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 ticket, insofar as you're concerned? Yes or no? Judith, I am not hearing you. Are you hearing me, Judith Sherwin? Going once, going twice. Roberto Montano, can you hear me? I can hear you fine, Bruce. Okay. Well, we're going to have you, we'll have you play both roles tonight. Oh, no. Let me ask you, uh, as the Democrat, um, uh, Kamala Harris, how big uh, a supporter or how big an asset or liability might she be in the general election? Well, before we get right into that, I would just like to express my condolences to President Trump, our president on the loss of his brother. Uh, Uh That's beyond politics. That's family. Uh, I have a brother. I don't know what I would do. Uh, He said that that was his best friend. Uh-huh. And so just taking the second of personal privilege to say deepest condolences, um, you know, and, and prayers and, you know, for him at this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think we all agree with that. And uh, even some of the Sunday shows did that today. So uh, I thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to politics. Uh, sure. <laughs> the selection. Now the gloves are off. <laughs> uh, we are delighted and we cannot be more thrilled. Uh, you're going to see an energized uh, electorate across the country. You're going to see a lot of our uh, friends that are in the military uh, you, that, that, that are going to vote by mail, by the way. Uh, you're going to see all of our American citizens that are overseas uh, have a surge in their in their engagement because this is a nod to the future of the Democratic Party. And uh, to, to think about the historic nature of this pick and and, and the vision uh-huh. of, of uh our our candidate Biden to choose uh, a woman of color. Okay, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's Roberto, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you for thrilled. just I'm gonna stop you for just a second. And, and Judith Sherwin, can you hear me? Can you? I uh, can hear you. Okay, can you that, hear me? I can hear you. So wait sure. in and let me ask you the question that I asked at the beginning. Um, how big a deal is Kamala Harris? Does she help or hurt the ticket? In your view, does it make it an easier ticket to run against if you're a Trump supporter? Um, Well, first of all, I would like to also uh, share my condolences with the president of the loss of his brother. Um, It's a terrible loss uh, to lose a brother. Um, And um, uh, I, I 
think that with everything else going on in the country, uh, I really feel very badly for him. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to him and his family and okay. prayers to the whole family. It's a very okay. sad situation. Okay. Um, with respect to Kamala Harris, um, I, I believe that she was the best choice of a lot of bad choices. Um, but I don't think at the end of the day, um, I don't have quite the sanguine view of what she brings to the ticket that, that Roberto does. It, it seems to me, um, there's a couple of things. Uh, I don't know how much good she does him in the black community. Uh, that's number one. He certainly doesn't need her for California. Uh, mm -hmm. This thing about uh, Americans overseas, I know a great deal of Americans overseas, particularly in the state of Israel, um, and they vote, and they are all going to be voting for Donald Trump. And they were going to be voting for Donald mm -hmm. Trump before the UAE um, agreement. But um, I, I don't see her really energizing the base. I mean, let's remember, she ran for president in her own right, and she dropped out before Iowa. I mean, so because her, her poll numbers just hit rock bottom. Yeah. Right, let me, so let me just, let me sure just, let me just, that much let, for the ticket. let me that, interject and, and, and let me also say that. Uh, unfortunately, as I'm, I'm getting a, a report here, and hopefully our engineer uh, Andy Miles is hearing about what I'm saying, uh, we are not being heard on WCGO or on WMAY in Springfield, Illinois. So there's a question as to whether or not this program is even going out on the satellite. I would like to hear from all affiliates, if you can, uh, to let us know whether you're hearing us this evening. And again, I want to apologize again uh, for... Uh, for the issues, uh, I thought they had been resolved because I was here for a rehearsal midweek and uh, everything appeared to be going all right. But everything tonight uh, does not appear to be going all right, either on the radio or on uh, YouTube or on our video stream. So I apologize for that. I want to go back to you, Roberto, because I think at least we're being heard by some people. Uh, I want to go back to you, to the enthusiasm uh, for Kamala Harris and just have you follow up to what Judy says. I mean, you're giving the standard uh, stump speech for the Democrats tonight. The reality is when she was out there, only 3% of the, of the Democratic primary voters chose her. And she dropped out before anybody voted. So how can you say there's this groundswell of support for Kamala Harris? So first of all, I would challenge the fact or the, the, the notion that all the every U.S. citizen that calls the state of Israel home is voting for. You're Trump. not answering, uh, my I, Roberto. I you're not answering. Everyone. You I are not answering my question. Would you please okay, answer well, well, my question? Well, well, I, I don't want you answering that, a question so that hasn't been asked. Japan. Go ahead. So what? What does that got to do with anything? I'm asking. I mean, I'm asking uh, uh, Roberto, uh, Mark, Judy. I'm asking Roberto a question. Roberto, okay, well, answer the question. She had three percent. She ran. She ran a lousy campaign. Why do you think there's this great enthusiasm for a person who who uh, who who ran such a poor campaign? Anybody that wanted her could have picked her, and they didn't. And they didn't pick anybody else. Because they wanted Joe Biden or they wanted someone else. Maybe they, maybe they were for Buttigieg. But the race is what it is now. And she is particularly strong in those swing states. She is going to be key in Michigan to get folks out in Detroit. Why? She's going to be 
Why? Is it only because of Detroit? Well, I, I think it's what I said back in back in 2019, right? By the way, let me why... mention, no, before you, I want to, let me interject here because I want to do it. I don't want you to pat yourself on the back. Okay, I okay, want okay. I want to, I want to pat you on the back. And that is over a year ago when you were a guest on this program, I asked you to predict the, um, uh, I asked you uh, to uh, let us know. Uh, who you thought was going to be the ticket, and you selected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So you get a big pat on the back for that. I'm going to pause because uh, we've got a break and see uh, who the hell is listening to this program this evening. Uh, I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly, hopefully, from Evanston, Illinois. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce, du- Bruce Dumont back, and uh, I understand that uh, we are airing on some uh, facilities out there. Uh, Power Talk 1460 in uh, Northern California. Mark Cabanaro from WKION is reporting us that we're on the uh, uh, that app. We're on the uh, iHeartRadio app. So uh, wherever you're listening this evening, let us know because uh, we're having a hell of a time. It's radio's 100th anniversary, and... Uh, Seems like we're about in year two of the process. So, uh, Judith, let me go. Let me go back to you. Um, uh, there are some people who are already questioning whether Kamala Harris is eligible to be president. Do you think that's a wise card to play at this point in the campaign? The wise card to play. That's number one. Number two. I think, quite frankly, legally, it's horsewood. It's ridiculous. Okay, it's just hogwash. I mean, I if, when this came up, it came up in this article in News News Newsweek. Yeah. Right. Which I thought was really bizarre. I, I was really surprised that they would publish something like this, but uh-huh. they did. Um, and and I took a look at it, and you know, I I took a look at some of the cases. I I seriously did. I sat down on Thursday when I first saw this and I looked at the cases and I looked at the law and I looked at the 14th amendment. It's just ridiculous. Uh, she's an American citizen. She's a natural born American citizen. She was born here in this country in a hospital in Oakland. And it's absolutely stupid to start up with this. And, and I mean, I've had a number of Facebook discussions with, with people who are, friends of mine, um, you know, about this issue. Uh, do I think it's a racist conspiracy? It's the rebirth of the birther conspiracy? No, I don't, okay? 
I think this professor who raised this issue is a guy who lost an election to her. He's still bitter. And he came up with this ridiculous theory, okay. which is, I believe, a ridiculous theory. So we should theory. drop it. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's uh, th- there's there's enough about Kamala Harris's uh, background and about Absolutely. her policies uh, that we can focus on that. Absolutely. Um, this has... This has nothing to do with why I think she she's eligible, but she would be an absolutely horrible choice. Okay, okay? I I think that her record as a prosecutor is is uh, is horrific. Okay, uh, let, let me let me just. By people. the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask each of our guests. Please don't lecture tonight. Let Let's have a conversation and, okay. and let okay. I, I I really. Uh, uh, it's getting old and stale that uh, we have filibustering that goes on on the program. I get a lot of complaints about filibustering. So I'm asking each of our guests, keep it short. It's meant to be a conversation. Roberto Montano, let me, let's move on to another subject. You made this sweeping thing that, that uh, Joe Biden is, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And just the people are going to, the, the masses are going to come out and support him. What are, what is the issue? What is the one or two issues that you think are, are most uh, likely to draw people to Joe Biden? Well, you know, traditionally, a presidential candidate picks a VP for a couple of reasons, but one of those reasons is because they can be the attack dog. Um, and so uh, I like the way that Senator Harris grilled Bill Barr, for example. Uh-huh. I think she will be tough against Pence. Um, and I think that Biden needs someone that can play that role so he can be the unifier. Okay. And do you really believe that any candidate at this moment can, can bring the country together? Is that something that is going to change in one campaign? Go ahead. You know what? President Trump could do that tomorrow. He could just become reasonable on the pandemic. We, we get around that. I mean, the economy and if he became reason right and and if he became reasonable on the pandemic, uh, you would back away from all the criticism you've ever leveled on this program. Well, I, I think the president's being primaried by the pandemic, and he's losing to the pandemic, so he would do himself a service in embracing some of the science. Um, I mean, I want to be respectful, obviously, always, but I just feel like strategically, it's a bad decision to say let's exalt. The, the policies that he's exalting, like opening up the, the states. Uh, you know, I, I, I care about my, my elders and, and they're fragile and they need us to be more thoughtful about how we... Judith, do you uh, believe, do you believe, as Roberto just said, that the, the president is is losing uh, to, the pan, uh, to the pandemic? No, uh, actually, I don't. I, I think that, I mean, the pandemic is a terrible situation um, and to blame him you know, for the people who have died in the pandemic is, is uh, just terrible. Uh, I believe that, that we have to open this country back up. We have to get back to work to the extent we can do it. We have to go back to school to the extent we can do it. It's not going to be easy, but we have to, we have to apply some common sense procedures so that we can do this. I was, for instance, how will we judge? How will we judge success from this point on? If people have written off Donald Trump and his handling of the coronavirus thus far, what is it that he can do in the next three months 
that are going to change people's mind? Are you asking me? Yes. Okay. So first of all, I don't think that people have written off Donald Trump. All right. Um, and that's number one. Number two, I believe that that just take a look at the economy. I mean, the economy is coming back. Why do you think the economy is coming back? I mean, when he talks about the V-shaped recovery, I mean, we're not looking at the bottom of the U, you know, and hoping that we don't fall off the edge of a cliff. We, the stock market has been very, you know, the stock market is an interesting psychological ploy. It certainly hasn't given up on Donald Trump, and it hasn't given up on Donald Trump's efforts to keep the economy All right, going. now let me, now let's, I'm going to bring Roberto in and ask you, Roberto, would you acknowledge that the economy is coming back? And uh, by golly, the president seems to be surviving on that issue. Surely not, because the economy is not the stock market. Look at the look at the permanent closure of small businesses, the, the, the backbone of our economy. Look at the 30 million people unemployed. Look at the fact that we're not able to invest in human capital through health care or, or education. Like people aren't going back to college in the same way as they were. So where's the future of our economy? Also, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a V market. If it was the market, it's going to be like a W. And like... Where is the president's leadership in getting folks this relief that they need to get make it through the pandemic? We're looking at a housing crisis. We're looking at an unemployment crisis. So that's the economy. People are about to be homeless. But if the if if the uh, Senate reacted and they provided the three hundred dollars uh, to those who are unemployed. That's $300 more than they're getting right now. It's not the 600 they were getting. But do you acknowledge that by offering unemployed people $600 to, to not work, that that has become, to some, not all, an incentive not to go look for a job? Why should they look for a job if they're getting $600 a week in addition to unemployment? So we'll take, we'll take it, right? It's something. But it's not what we need. You know, our, our, our economy. Well, is people dependent. always want more, Robert. They always want more. But w- what is doable? And, 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 and also uh, answer the question to those people who believe that the Democrats are more concerned about providing money to states and municipalities that have been poorly run over the decades. They may not like the idea of those people being rewarded for keeping a messy economic house, even though, again, they need the money. But isn't that a disincentive to be prudent? So so there's a couple of questions. The first one I want to answer directly is there are some people, what I would argue is a minority, who's decided, you know what, I'm making enough money right now, I won't look for a job. That's a true thing. I'm not going to say that's not a real thing. However, it's in our self-interest as a country to keep this economy going. And 70% of our GDP is consumption. And if you look at real-time analytics, so like uh, credit cards and and and, um, and debit card spending, that plummeted in July. So what people are doing is they're being responsible. They're booing their balance sheets as individual households, and they're getting ready for this storm. They're not looking for a job, per se, because there aren't any jobs. There's no restaurants hiring tons of people. There's no ads being bought because there's no marketing going on. Judy, a a question to Judy. Judy, uh, uh, again, a couple of weeks ago, those who were unemployed were getting $600 a month. Then the impasse came, uh, and now they're getting nothing. 
aren't isn't it rightful rightful for them to think that the people that are taking money out of their pockets right now are the president and the republicans well because they can't all, they I can't mean, even I get think, the 300 delivered okay, uh bruce i think that you uh i don't know if you want me to say it uh roberto certainly has have already certainly like forgotten about it the president signed four executive orders last week that were meant to deal with these problems all right he meant to extend unemployment insurance and at least one of the states has said thank you mr president we have enough money we don't need it that was south dakota all right he has stopped the the uh he's he's uh, working on the um the moratorium on evictions um he has given a uh, moratorium on payments for student loans I mean, nobody is doing anything. So he has taken it upon himself with an executive order. Thank you, Supreme Court, in their decision on, on the DACA case. All right. And he they opened the door for him to do these kinds of things. And he walked right through it. This is direct aid to people. That's number one. Number We've two. got to pause. I'm gonna. You're gonna do number two after we come back. But let, uh, uh, at least point number two is what I meant to say. Uh, also, we should mention, by the way, that uh, we're coming in loud and clear on KLBJ in Austin, Texas. I understand we're coming in loud and clear on Sirius XM Radio and on Facebook. So people are finding us. Give us a call. Back shortly. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Bruce Dumont back in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Doug Dunlop says he likes Judith. He says she's a real rebel out there. Let's let our guests introduce themselves, and we'll start with the rebel. Uh, Judith, tell everybody uh, briefly who you are and what you, why, why you're here. Bruce, thank you very much for having me on again with my rebellious nature. Um... I am an attorney in Chicago. I teach uh, First Amendment, uh, one course in First Amendment dealing with uh, religious liberty. I also teach course in uh, legal legal and business ethics and uh, teach thesis students at Loyola University yeah. in Chicago. And you have uh, been and you've been unfriended by some people because uh, they think that you have been less than a woman by attacking Kamala Harris over her allegations of how she got ahead. Well, uh, that's true. Uh, I have been called in the last um, week a racist, um, a traitor to my sex, um, all sorts of things. But and a um, rebel, and a rebel. We can we can talk we can talk about that 
uh, at another part of the of the show, and I'm going to remind you that you said I could get to my second point. You but can, sure but, you I wanna, but I want to. But I want I want Roberto to introduce himself because uh, he's looking pretty dapper tonight. Go ahead, <laughs> Roberto. Um, I, I just came from work. Um, I'm a realtor. So well, there you go. Help, Working on a I help Sunday. Find houses. Uh, but I'm here to do my bit to help save the republic from the Republicans. So that's it. Okay. Point number two, Judith. Yes. So point number two, first of all, the new unemployment jobless claims uh, have been going down every every week. Um, and, and that is an indication of what is going on. The 30 million unemployed figure that Robert uh, quoted is a figure from June. That number has been going on. The Department of Labor thinks it's more like 18 million, which is not great, all right? But the, the economy is struggling to come back. Small business is struggling to come back. Uh, restaurants, God knows, they may come back eventually, not anytime soon. This has been a tremendous hit. We locked down what was really the best economy we've ever had. We just locked it down. We made it stop. I mean, what do you expect? We're trying to save people, and the president is trying to save people. He's trying in those those four executive orders that he put in place. These are things that are going to go directly to people, right? He wants to make a deal with the Congress, but, you know, every liberal idea that they've had for the last 20 years, this is not the time to get into it. Right now, we have to save people. He wants to save people. It's not what he wants. It's what the American people want right. and what they need, and he's trying to do it. Talking okay. about saving the the American people, I want to switch gears now. He also wants to uh, to save the republic, and he feels that the best way to save the republic come November is to absolutely fight uh, to the to the death uh, the idea of uh, voting uh, by mail. Now, why uh, we should mention that. 40 states in the United States have absentee balloting. Five states have uh, only voting by mail. So the number of states that we're talking about where people can't vote by mail for some reason uh, is um, uh, is a small number. So my question to you, uh, Roberto, why are the Democrats willing to fall on the sword over the issue of mail-in voting. Why is that so important to them? Sure. There's a macro issue, which is, uh, in our opinion, the president is trying to discredit the results of the election. And if he can cast doubt upon the results, which we feel increasingly confident will be in our favor, then this is just one card in his hand that he can say, well, look, they stole this or they stole that. But the truth of the matter is that we've been voting by mail since the Civil War. That's how the army votes, by the way. He's voting by mail. His wife's voting by mail. There's every reason to think that the mail is safe. And yet, for some reason, this is a self-inflicted wound. And by the way, rural America needs its post office for medicine. They need it for social security I, checks. So why you're he's moving, doing this uh, is uh, Roberto, me. you're moving on to another talking point, and it's a valid one, and I want you to talk about it. But I, I want to get back to the point of... Uh, and again, it seems to me that the Democrats are trying to conflate an issue. And the issue is there is absentee balloting, which involves voting by mail. And then there is 
voting by mail in which ballots are just sent out. There's no affirmative action required on the part of the voter. Do you see a difference between those two? Because most Democrats don't. Look, I, I do. But here's the thing. Just because you get a ballot in the mail doesn't mean you can't go vote in the way that you would normally vote. Right. Well, and so what we're doing is we're just giving you more options so you can exercise your most fundamental right. And I don't see how that could be even an issue. Do you understand? Right, I, do you understand how it could complicate things if people are if people are getting ballots and they haven't even asked for them? Don't you understand that there's 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 reason to believe that there will be abuse or at least incompetence in that in that situation, and that's where you get into a situation where maybe the the local mail office uh, post department post office uh, won't be able to handle the influx of mail. You've you've got you've got unsolicited things going out, and people aren't even asking for it. Is it so is it so difficult to ask for a ballot? If that's what you really want to do, you're not being disenfranchised by doing that. No, and I, and I wouldn't say that the primary concern for us, but it is important that people do have access in the age of COVID. And out of the abundance of caution, we're just making it available in those places because those folks might not know that they have the option and they might be afraid to come to the ballots, to, to come to the polling place. Can in, I, in the, I, just I one, one last thing sure. in the in the in the situation of mail of 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 um, absentee balloting, you can do that. Uh, you know, during the uh, era of of COVID, there's a way can to I, do it. Bruce, Go I, ahead. I'd really like to respond to this because uh, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of experience with what goes on in Illinois and in Cook County, primarily in the area of vote fraud. Right. Um, and, and absentee ballots have, have been an option for years. Uh, you fill out an application, you say why you can't come, you, t- you know, you can't leave the house. There's a million reasons why you can get an absentee ballot. You get it, it comes to you, it's more secure, it has to be signed. There are certain rules that have to be followed, it has to get where it has to go by a certain date, and then it gets counted. Very simple. Judith, Judith, quick follow-up. Is one of the reasons to get an absentee ballot if you are fearful of getting COVID? Is that a valid reason to ask for and receive an absentee ballot? Uh, I don't know if it is in Illinois. You can get one if you are ill. And I would assume you can get one if you are afraid. Well, let me finish. If you're afraid you are going to be ill. All right. But we don't, don't know. Think, but we don't we don't absolutely know that. Is that correct? Well, I don't know that we absolutely know that. But what I will tell you is that there are people. One of the issues with vote fraud that we've had for years in Cook County are precinct captains who go into nursing homes and, and put ballots, absentee ballots in front of nursing home residents and fill them out for them. OK, we have fought about this for years. All right. This COVID problem that people are raising is kind of a a variation of that. People who have worked in fighting vote fraud over the years look at this mail-in voting idea as an absolute catastrophe, all right? And and if you're taking millions of ballots, throwing them in the mail, sending them to people's dogs, sending them to people who have moved, sending them to people who are dead, 
who's going to, what's going to happen to those ballots? Is somebody going to pick them up and fill them out and send them in as if they are whoever they were sent to? Uh, is, is, you know, somebody going to pick up 10 ballots and fill out 10 ballots and get that back? I mean, there's a billion things that can go on and there's no way to check. Roberto, uh, d- d- Roberto, address some of the points that Judith just uh, put on the table here. Just the data's not there. Like it, the it, data it, is there. The data is there. Right, let's let, let's let Roberto. Thirty years in Illinois. Let's the Roberto. Resp- let's let Roberto respond. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So if Republicans were going to do something like that, we would catch them. If Democrats were going to do something like that, they would catch us. It's an adversarial process in every election there's going to be people on both sides doing judge work and those people are paid by 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 the voter in 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 illinois the board of election commissioners in cook county is an independent body and they oversee that there are rigorous numerous safeties for that and so there is no additional risk from mail-in that has been shown anywhere that the myth of voter fraud is another canard that the Republican Party is putting out there to try to undermine confidence in the electoral process. If I could answer that, first of all, Republican and Democrat judges sit in the precinct and when people come in, somebody sits and they check if somebody lives at a particular address and there's a whole process that goes on and there are poll watchers from various candidates. So there are a bunch of checks and balances. There's no check and balance when somebody gets a, a, a mail-in ballot for their dog in their house. You're going to have somebody go to everybody's house and see what's going on with these ballots. It's totally ridiculous. The vote fraud is not a myth. All right. Let us remember that the person who has discredited the results of the 2016 election is Hillary Clinton, who still can't get over it and is still on Twitter every day complaining about her loss, all right? And the Democratic Party still can't get over it. And that's what's going on. The President of the United States was asked at least 20 times. We got a pause back shortly from Chicago. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris's kidneys were failing. The doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you are going to die. Chris received a second chance, made possible by an organ donor. Your well-being changes from loss of hope to better times ahead. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back. Uh, one other point, you know, insofar as uh, voting early, a lot of states have early voting. And it seems to me that that is a way that people who are fearful of being stuck in long lines, uh, if you're given, you know, 7 to 10, 14 days to vote, you can spread it out. 
uh, you don't all have to focus and go in uh, at the same time and vote. So there's ways to get around it. And again, uh, you know, the, the people that are worried about maybe going out and voting once every four years, uh, granted, it's in in a COVID situation, but, you know, are these people that are going out, are they socializing in any way? Are they going to groceries? Are they going to church? I mean, uh, can there not be one more effort? Obviously, uh, we want everybody to be protected when they vote, but I think it's it's pretty much the sky is falling by creating all the, the threat and the worry about going out to vote. Is that the reason that people are going to stay home? Let's go to Kathy, who's listening to us on KLBJ in Austin, Texas. Let's see if the phones work. Go ahead, Kathy. Hello. How are you doing today? Okay, go ahead. Well, my comment kind of goes back to something that Roberto said earlier earlier regarding uh, Trump being responsible for this uh, downturn in the economy. And what I would like to ask the Democrats and Roberto is how is the economy supposed to come back faster if you have Democratic governors and mayors who won't let their small businesses and okay. uh, businesses Kathy, let, let me ask you a question. Do you have your radio on at the moment? No, I'm on a cell phone. Okay, good, because we're, we're getting a little feedback, and I'm, I'm just trying to find out where that might be coming from. Roberto, I think you heard the question that yeah. uh, governors and mayors, uh, Democrats, uh, may be uh, holding uh, the economy in their areas hostage because they don't want it to be too robust on Election Day. Well, look, <laughs> they need that tax revenue, right? They want the economy to, to, to flourish. They want their states to, to, to be able to, to have people that are, that are productive and, and healthy. Like, we'd love to go to the beach in Chicago, but we can't do that right now because of the COVID. And that's just science. Now, our Republic, Republican colleagues or Republican counterparts that have decided to open up are seeing a, a, a blossoming of this virus. And, and, and it's painful to watch. You know, we took we, we basically wasted April and, and May where we could have had a comprehensive national plan and we failed to do that. So consequently, it fell to the states and some states, they chose different routes. And, and because of that, we bent the curve in Illinois. Uh, they, they thank goodness that seem to have gotten through the worst in New York. But now Florida, now Texas, now Georgia, where they didn't take it as seriously, they're suffering. And there's no joy in that. We're, 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 we're terrified for those folks that are facing this. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's a piece of fabric. It's not the end of the world. All right. Let me ask, what is Joe Biden is going to have four days. The Democratic convention is evolving. Uh, it'll be online and, and uh, virtual uh, starting tomorrow night. But what is Joe Biden's answer to the question? What would he do differently? If he got elected in November, what would he do, Roberto? Well, he would he would say, "Let's let's follow the science." Uh, he would say, let, "Let let's mask up and where gentlemen would he, no, and where, ladies." Where would he where Where would he say follow the science? Would he say it? Would he say follow the science about opening schools? Because the scientists there are saying open the schools. You know, you 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 can't open the schools if you do it smartly. If students are in the pod and teachers are rotating 
if there's daily checks for fever and, and any other symptoms on the well, way that's, in. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. That's, that's precisely what they're yeah. talking about doing. Right, right. So, so, so like, like you know, if that's, that's if, one well, at we're, a time, we're agreeing ahead. here. If, if that's for well, the science, we you, that's but, great. But we're not agreeing on one thing. There is no the science, okay? There is no the science. You have a place like Sweden that took one approach. You have, you have the United States of America, which is a rather big country with a lot of different states. And public health is one of the primary uh, obligations of the governors of the states under the police power. The federal government is there to back them up. That's the national policy. Don't say there is no national policy. There is a national policy. It would make absolutely no sense for there to be a policy made in Washington that would be the same in Illinois that it is in Arizona. In April and May, the virus was up here. Later on, it is down there. And it's not because they opened up. There is a lot of science that says the reason they're having problems has nothing whatever to do with the opening up. It has to do with being inside all the time in the air conditioning when it's 100 degrees outside. It has to do with a lot of issues, all right? This is a disease that nobody really knows all that much about. We're beginning to know a lot more. But this is something we're, that people are trying to learn on the fly. Were you pleased? Were, science, were okay? you pleased? Were you pleased when Joe Biden said he and Kamala Harris got together and the first thing they said was they want a mandate wearing of masks? Were you right, happy so, to hear that? I want to ask Roberto. Were you happy when when the leader of your party said that? You know, I I, I understand that that doesn't feel comfortable to a lot of people. Yeah, but. And there but are Democratic we, but, governors who don't even have the guts to suggest it. They suggest but, it, but they're not going to mandate it. And here you've got the leader of the party saying to start, it. Look, we're looking at a quarter million We've got to pause. We've got to pause. We'll be back. You, you two will be back. A quarter of Judith, a Judith, relax. Oh We've got a break. You'll be back for another hour, and we'll be joined by John Cass of the Chicago Tribune. I'm Bruce Dumont. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope. Our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. 
With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog and new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Bruce Dumont back for hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. And in this hour, Judith Sherwin, our Republican, and Roberto Montano, our Democrat. Uh, they are joined by John Cass of the Chicago Tribune. And, uh, John, it's nice to have you with us. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Thank you for having me to be with such a brilliant panel on your 40th year Woo! doing well. the Beyond the Beltway. Well, uh, we were talking all the good stuff before you came back. Oh, that's so good. Now, now we'll, we'll go back to being... boring. We're not going to talk about drinking at conventions okay. and crazy things <laughs> that happen. Well, I, you know, this is, uh, I know, generally speaking, uh, you would be winging your way to Milwaukee or be in Milwaukee tonight uh, for the opening of the convention tomorrow, which is going to be very unconventional. And literally, this is the first, I have been to at least one convention every year since 1964. So this is going to be very odd to me because I'm not going to either of the conventions and uh, uh, because of COVID-19 and because there just isn't, uh, you know, they're not going to treat the media the same way. But I, I want to talk about uh, something, uh, John, to get your thoughts on. One story that came out last week uh, from uh, the, the National Intelligence uh, Leadership they basically said that they have evidence and believe that Russia and China 
and Iran uh, are all involved in some degree of trying to screw up our election this November. Uh, According to the published reports, the Russians supposedly are favoring Donald Trump and the Chinese are favoring Joe Biden. Uh, Yes, they would. They want his son to be the vice president. (laughs) Right. They already know him. So my question to you is, as a, uh, if I could get my question out, Judith. Yes. Uh, Sorry. My question is this. Uh, as a reporter, how concerned are you with a report like that? And as an American voting citizen, how are we to gauge what we are seeing and hearing? And how do we determine whether or not that might be some form of a bot or some sort of a campaign trick? Uh, foisted by either the the Russians or the Chinese or Iran. Anytime foreign governments get involved in leaking what they're about to do, you have to think of it like politicians talking about ethics. Mm -hmm. You cannot trust them. Um, That said, uh, will people be trying to play games? Guess what? America tries to play games in other elections. Mm -hmm. This is how real grown-ups and Thanks for having me on a panel with real grown-ups. Yeah. Understand politics. Um, all's fair in love and war, right? And what is politics but war? So I heard the, I listened with intent to the last uh, segment, you know, mm-hmm. when you were talking with the panel on yeah. voting. And I think that there's a way I've got a plan, and I'll write about it this week. The Fauci plan. I'm a type 1 diabetic and so my doctor said stay away don't you know don't isolate mm-hmm. you must isolate but at the same time I've gone to uh, butcher shops to get steak because you know what I really like a good medium rare steak right. and beer so if I care enough about a beer a beer and a steak as many people I think I care about our republic so I'm going to put a mask on it I'm going to take my driver's license. I'm going to walk down to my polling uh, end gloves. I'm going to walk down to the polling place here in on the north side of Chicago where I live, not mm-hmm. downtown, yeah. out of the three flat. And I'm going to cast a ballot the old-fashioned way. And I think that's important to do so for this reason. The Democrats want uh, mail-in ballots because that, they think that helps them. Republicans don't want mail-in ballots because they think that doesn't help them. And I'm from Chicago, and so I've covered enough stories about the nice man helping me, old people at the nursing home, mm-hmm. fill out their absentee ballots. What happens is if the scenario that worries me for the whole country, Democrats and Republicans, mm-hmm. is what if we go to a mail-in ballot and there's... And and there is any question, you know, if we end up with a hanging Chad situation like we did in 2000, yeah. but in this context, in this country, the way we're all divided and working at each other, it's not good for the country. I want to go, I want to go to Roberto and I also want Andy Miles to listen to what I'm about to say. Uh, I'm getting reports that your audio, John, is very bad. So what I'm going to suggest is that I want Roberto to respond to uh, to what you've said about voting, and that that maybe there's a there's a patriotic reason to go out and 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 and, and try a 
for the Republic. And as we do that, uh, I would like my producer to call you back on the phone, John, to see if our phone connection is uh, is much better than the video uh, connection that we have right now so we can hear you because uh, it is important that we oh, hear man. you. Uh, you look terrific. But again, we want to make sure that uh, the sound is as strong as it possibly can. But R- Roberto, we're going to go to you and let you respond to uh, to John's thought that if you could, if you're going out to the butcher shop, why can't you go out to vote? So here's the thing: the uh, that font of progressive and liberal uh, wisdom, the Heritage Foundation, has an online database of election fraud cases. They found over 1,200 cases of fraud in all forms resulting in 1,100 criminal convictions over the past 20 years in a quarter billion votes that have been cast by mail. Now, that's the Heritage Foundation. In a quarter billion, billion with a B, they found 1,200 cases of which 1,100 were convicted. That's a a felony. So the notion that, 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 that that's actually an issue... I mean, and I I get what John's saying because I, too, have been the precinct captain and I know that we have to, you know, be vigilant in in defending democracy in that in that critical moment. But these people that do the work aren't a bunch of hooligans. Uh, They they take an oath. They 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 have to go through training. Uh, There's a board that oversees them and it's adversarial. Um, so do you think, look, do you it's think not me there's saying enough, it. The Heritage do you think Foundation that, do you is think the one there's saying enough, it. Do you think there's enough online, people to do that? That, that, that? that the voter fraud cases, you can check online on, on their website. It's just not really an issue. Bruce, if I could respond to sure, this. I mean, we are, we are doing a little experiment right now. We just did one in New York. Uh, they could barely figure out who won uh, the, uh, the primary uh, for this uh, Republican um, running for the Congress. Yeah. I mean, this Carolyn is, they have no idea who won. They finally just said, okay, it's going to be this guy. And that was the end of it. I mean, you can't, we can't have that with, with 130 million people perhaps going and voting for the president of the United States in the situation in which we are living in right now. If you can go to Walmart and you can go to the Jewel and you can go wherever you go, you put on your mask, you put on your gloves, you can put on whatever you like, go vote. Particularly, I thought Bruce had a great point before. We do have early voting. You don't have to be there with a lot of people. All right. And even if you are there with a lot of people, I was at, I was at Sports Authority today. And there were a lot of people, and I stood in the line with another, I don't know, there must have been at least 30 people in line, all right? We were all six feet apart because they have those little circles on the floor, and that's supposed to keep you safe. You can have the same thing going on in a polling place. Okay, we've got a break. Judith, we've got a break. Back shortly. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back, and uh, we're going to go with uh, John Cass uh, on the phone uh, for the rest of this interview, only because uh, uh, the audio on the Zoom was not good. John, are you there? Can you hear my voice? Yes, I can. Okay. I'm going to have you start this part of the discussion because uh, for people around the country, again, we have people listening from coast to coast, and I don't like to make this program about Chicago, but Chicago has received so much uh, publicity and notoriety because of the excessive amount of violence and the murder of children in our city that uh, I think everyone around the country knows that it's become a national problem. And with the rioting and looting that has taken place in the city, uh, the city of Chicago is not the city that it was one year ago. Uh, John Cass is probably the most astute observer of the city. And John, I want you to, to share with the audience your concern about what the future of the city is like and that what is the future of Chicago might be the future of other cities around the United States, given their relations with the police department and certain sectors of their community that don't respect the police officers. We've got a couple problems here. One is the, uh, the finances of the big Big cities. I'm sorry, but I, I keep. I, I'm hearing an echo here. Okay. I'm so sorry, but but the finances of the big cities is terrible. The Democrats want to have three trillion dollars to bail out the political pension deals that Democrats and Republicans have put through. Um. The financial collapse is right on the edge. And then we have COVID and, and violence. So it's, it's a bad scenario. And then, just the other day when we had looting in Chicago for the second time, we're seeing that um, Black Lives Matter people and others are um, they're defending the looting, and they're also um, they're also how can I put this uh, carefully? They're 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 understanding publicly that the hard left sees violence as an answer. Mm-hmm. The uh, now we should- combination of all that. Yeah is devastating if you set up a group of people uh, as evil if you uh, promote nonsense history like the 1619 project you begin to push uh, inevitable conflict Mm -hmm. and that I don't think 
the people, American people or the Democrats who would benefit in the short term or re- Republicans in the long term want to see that happen. We're already seeing it now in Kalamazoo with with uh, Black Lives Matter on one side, the Proud Boys on the other. I don't. I don't want to see that from my country. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone does. We also have a situation, and Roberto, I want to get you to weigh in this because because you're a Democrat, and uh, I want to get your response to what John has said. Is that uh, what we do have in the wake of uh, the looting that has taken place, uh, the looting that took place about a month ago and the looting that took place uh, a little over a week ago, uh, you do have elected officials uh, speaking out in support of those who have been part of the looting process, uh, and some of them have been related to Black Lives Matter. Some have, not all. But they seem to be making an excuse for them, and uh, and 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 yet they're they're publicly stating their position. And these are elected officials. They're not the mayor of Chicago. She is not saying this. Uh, but again, you have the president of the Cook County Board, who has basically uh, slapped the hands of the police officers for trying to defend uh, the Christopher Columbus statute of uh, several weeks ago. But you have elected, you have the Democrat Socialist members of the city council, and I believe there's about seven of them now. These are elected officials who represent voters in Chicago, and they're saying basically defund the police and and that looting is equating, should be equated with reparations. Roberto, your reaction, I know you don't believe in that, but speak to the problem it creates for Democrats. What's happening in Chicago is going to be the driving force behind the Donald Trump campaign. It is an echo to if you look at if you look at the the president's main slogan, make America great again, it's the again part that holds the magic. It's this nostalgia for order and for a time when things were right. Um, And and this this is a um, it's a painful self-inflicted wound, in my opinion, that a lot of our elected officials are just committing and handing Donald Trump this issue on the silver platter. This issue is going to be highlighted to the detriment of democratic uh, efforts in suburban uh, enclaves because people are terrified that are feeding into this to come into the cities. And it's also hurting us because our you know, those, those, those businesses that are leaving, we have a hundred year old business that's about to leave Chicago. Now they're a fine jeweler and maybe nobody thinks that they need fine jewelry, but when I get married, I want to buy a nice ring for my future wife. And I'm going to spend a little bit of money on that. Okay. Those people that have been in Chicago for a hundred years are starting to see that they don't want to come back. We've got restaurants shutting down. So Macy's, again, for those, politics, for those people around the country who may have come to Chicago and shopped at Macy in Water, Macy's in Water Tower, uh, uh, they've announced that they want to move out of Water Tower because of the, the looting that took place not only in their store, but on Oak Street just a block away. Yeah, I was there Wednesday. I was there Wednesday. I'm a realtor dropping off an earnest money check at one of the fancy schmancy offices, 
And it, yeah. it, it, it was beautiful from the up, from upstairs to the 18th floor at 737 North Michigan Avenue. When you look down, it was gorgeous. The, the, the American flag, the city flag flying across from Water Tower Place. And then you came down to the street. And when you came down to the street, you saw that the Tiffany's windows were all busted out. Neiman Marcus was all busted out. That is not about George Floyd. That is about criminal activity masquerading as activism. Judith Sherwin, I want to ask you, because uh, obviously you're a longtime Chicagoan. I want to get your reaction to the, the way in which what's happening in Chicago, as Roberto suggested, what's happening in Chicago is, is a, uh, it's a made-for-TV commercial for the Trump campaign, and, and you have Democrat uh, playing into it uh, by participating uh, and, and supporting uh, the looting which the vast majority of Chicagoans abhor, both black and white. Right. Well, I, you know, I have to, I, I agree with you. I agree with Roberto. I mean, this is a commercial for Donald Trump every single time they do this. Not only is, is what's going on in Chicago, I mean, they've, they've reached a different stage now in Seattle where they're going out to residential and I guess near suburban areas and they're, they're the Black Lives Matter people are going to people's homes and telling people they should give them the keys to their house because they don't belong there. You, When you say that people are terrified, they are terrified. They want to leave the city. I know a lot of people who want to leave Chicago. My son lives in New York. He's getting out. He's always wanted to live in New York. He can't wait to get out of there. And he's not the only one. People are fleeing the cities in droves. We don't want that. This John, I, I want to ask John Cass a question. Hopefully you can hear me, John. Do you believe that it's over the top to ask the question whether some of this violence that we see in Chicago, in New York, and in other cities whether or not some of that instigation might be inspired by the Russians in an effort to help Donald Trump? No. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't know what John thinks. John, what did you uh, think? But... But, you let's, know, let's just, find, let me, uh, Judith, let me, we, we, we know what you think. Let's, right. let's see if we can figure out what John thinks. If he heard the question, John, I don't know if he heard the question. Is John there, Andy? John is not there. Folks, I apologize. Uh, it's the second week in a row I've had to apologize, uh, for what we're dealing with here. But, uh, Roberto, let me ask you that question. Did you hear it? Yes. What do you think? Obviously, like, what's the most effective way to disrupt the democracy? You under you undermine the pillars of its foundation: public safety, health care. All this misinformation is cheap. They're spending almost the 16, no money. The sixteen nineteen project is a project of the New York Times. Are they part of the Politburo? I mean, are are you are you paying attention to where this is coming from? The intention of the GSB is to make our country look bad, to weaken our country, so that they can have a relative enhancement in their They're power They're getting globally. a lot of help from the Democratic Party and the media who are their lapdogs. All right? We've got a pause. We've got a pause. 
1-800-723-8029. We'll have a caller, and uh, hopefully we'll bring John Cass back into the conversation as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. John Cass, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, uh, Kenton McCarthy, who is a frequent guest on this program, he has uh, sent in the following text. He's, he believes that all terrorism uh, that, that we're dealing with goes back to George Soros. Do you agree with that? No. Okay. I do not. What um, what percentage Mr. does? Soros, Go ahead. Well, I, I think he's become like a a character in a in a drama about uh, from the right and the left. Mm-hmm. In point of fact, Mr. Soros has political view. He's he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He hates Trump, and he's been contributing to uh, liberal prosecutors throughout the country, including in Chicago, people who don't really want to put criminals in jail. Right. And uh, But I don't think it's a con- vast conspiracy or anything. Mm-hmm. And I've had some uh, occasion to study the issue right. great, in great detail in recent days. Right. The larger question that, uh, I'm sorry for technical difficulties, but the uh, larger question is that I think the hard left Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and other hard progressives are devouring uh, liberal Democratic mayors. That's what we're seeing, mm-hmm. and it's not a Trump. Trump is not is not promoting it. I think he will take advantage of it because when you have looting out in the suburbs, you know, and suburban soccer moms are wondering, should I get a gun? And how do I listen to the police scanner? They don't right. forget that stuff. It's right. really simple. The, the Democratic Party that Roberto is ta- uh, part of uh, is a party that, well, let's put it this way. They left uh, many of us. We didn't leave them. Right. And the traditional um, liberal Democratic Party is not the party that uh, Joe Biden is appealing to. He's appealing to the hard left, and he's been very silent about the violence in Seattle and Chicago, and that only feeds anxiety, and it 
I think it does help Trump in that respect. But um, this is something larger than personalities like Soros, Biden, Trump, Kamala Harris. It's a larger issue. It's the hard left devouring, biting the hands, fighting the Democratic mayors like Lightfoot and others in other cities. And they know it. If the media doesn't want to report that, that's that's on them. Roberta, what do you think of that? Do you agree with John? Is there a portion of what John said uh, you agree with? Well, I mean, the Democratic Party, like I, like I always say, you know, I'm not part of any organized party. I'm a Democrat. It's got a lot of moving parts. There are, are uh, friends of mine were both police officers today and, and, and were activists today. And, and they had conflict. And I love them all. Uh, friends that I know dearly. Um, I, I know someone that pepper sprayed someone else. And so, like, my heart goes out to the police on that one, because in my opinion, the police did their job. And when the police are allowed to do their job, we will have our city in order. Now, that's not to say that the message that these young activists are espousing isn't meritorious, but their methods is not serving their cause, in my opinion, because it's making folks unsympathetic. When I watch, and I want to be very delicate about the way I ask this question, and as will you in answering it, but when I watch the looting that's going on in Chicago, I am seeing the actions of, it's almost 100% black teenagers. That's where the unrest is. Now, if it gets into breaking windows and arson and a few other things, I'll throw Antifa in there, and I'll throw you know i'll throw you know a lot of young white people in it not so much for the looting but for the protesting now my question to you is based on television only i rarely see identifiable hispanics in that protest is that do you agree with that assessment or not well sure sure i mean if you look at who's there were 24 uh, arrests that were convicted as uh, felons in the last uh, issue we had on Monday, I think. And um, I'll say that, if I recall correctly, 23 of them were African-American. One happened to be Hispanic. And I think I know that guy. He's from okay. Aiken, California. And so I am very upset with that gentleman. Uh, why, and- why, why is that? Because black leaders and uh, uh, and and leaders of Black Lives Matter frequently talk about a black brown coalition, but I don't see. And I assume when they're talking about Browns, they're talking about Hispanics. I don't see a lot of Browns in the Black Lives movement, and I certainly don't see them when it comes down to looting. So, what is it about? The Hispanic community, they obviously have some complaints against society as well, but it doesn't seem to rear its ugly head in violence against society. What's the answer to that? So it's really important to separate the criminal activity from the legitimate protest. I personally was on the front lines protesting on May 30th at Trump Tower. I caught a lick of a baton. I'm not proud of it, but I was in the way. I was a medic at that action. So I do stand absolutely 100% in support of Black Lives Matter. 
But that is not the same as these people that are hijacking a noble pursuit for criminal intention. Those are two separate things. And so with respect to the Black Lives Matter movement, justice for police misconduct, uh, people, you know, what happened with George Floyd, that, that's completely tr tragic, you know, Breonna Taylor. We bleed with our black brothers when it comes to the criminal activity, the looting, that's just a totally separate thing. Um, now, we have certain privilege as people of color who are not black, because sometimes people think I'm Italian or with respect to John, even Greek I've gotten. Yeah. Uh, and so you could be, you we could sometimes be, pass. You could pass for a lot and, of stuff. Yeah, we do. Like people think I'm Muslim. They think I'm in South Asian. Uh, happy birthday, by the way, to India, uh, you know, the world's largest democracy. They just had their, their birthday. Damn, I forgot um, to send a card. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, I, I'm not black personally. And so I don't face the same things. Now, what I would say is that to me, it's not so much that it's black youth that are being, um, uh, you know, caught up in this. I would, I would look at the socioeconomics. I think it's the, the lower 20% of socioeconomic class versus the top 20% of socioeconomic class. Um, I, I'm a realtor, so I think about things in terms of housing. If you look at who owns a home and where the wealth is, because a lot of wealth is transferred intergenerationally through homes, African-Americans have the lowest percentage of home ownership. I am converting lots in Inglewood, which is a very socioeconomically challenged part of Chicago, into farms because those properties won't appraise. Mm -hmm. The banks won't appraise them. And the highest and best use is a farm. Now, I'm proud of the fact that we're solving urban, you know, deserts. But why well, don't black people get to buy houses? And 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 why is it that? No. And I, by, by the way, those are all viable, important issues to be discussed. And by the way, I just want to uh, correct something. If if someone misheard me, uh, Manford uh, Danish uh, asked, he thought that uh, I had basically said that uh, the people were looting uh, were protesters. I don't mean to suggest that at all. Right. Protesters are one thing; looters are another thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, the protesters, I, you know, I, I support the right of people to protest peacefully. Peacefully, that's key. And uh, looting is looting is law breaking. There's no there's no political uh, affection to that. It's 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 law breaking. So I want to be real clear about that. And and then you then the third element is you have Antifa, which I don't think is that's that's not a democratic organization. It is people who oppose all forms of of government. So I don't you know I don't even like the suggestion that all these people that are out there creating chaos are somehow you know, operatives of the Democratic Party. I do not well, buy Bruce, that. Bruce, if, if I Judith. could get a word in, I mean, sure. the issue the issue with people like Antifa and, and the anarchists who are, who are running around with them, uh, creating the chaos in the city, it's not so much that they are, you know, people say they're the militaristic wing of the Democratic Party. I, I don't think they are. The problem is, is that except for the conversation we're having tonight with Roberto, I don't hear Democrats saying these are these are people are doing bad things. These are people behaving like criminals. 
I mean, the first time we had the looting back in May, all right, the mayor's response, although she didn't praise the Antifa people, she wasn't exactly adamant like she was last Monday when she was, I would say, mad as hell over what happened on Sunday night, okay, and Monday morning. So, you know, if you're going to take the police and you're not going to let them do their job, and then you're going you're gonna to sort of sign on to this defund the police, whatever that means. I mean, I don't even know what it means. But if you're going to sign on to that kind of stuff, what do you think is going to happen? If a bunch of people loot in May and run off with baby diapers and whatever else they write, you know, television sets and yeah. anything else that isn't nailed down. And the the state's attorney, who we really haven't talked about much here, and we will, but we do have to break. Judith, you you have you have mastered the position of talking right up to the commercial break. We'll be back with you, John Cass, and Roberto in a moment. We are strong. We are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris's kidneys were failing. The doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you are going to die. Chris received a second chance, made possible by an organ donor. Your well-being changes from loss of hope to better times ahead. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Uh, we've got a, a lot of comments coming in here this evening. Uh, let me go to a couple of them here because they were on opposite sides. Uh, there's one person who writes in. This is uh, Doug Dunlap. Bruce, you're the best in the business. You're fair in your comments. And Chris Alaganis writes, I'm out. Terrible show, Bruce Dumont. Your people owe me apology. So there you go. Win some, lose some. John Cass, I want to go back to you. And I, I had asked the question before about what's likely to happen next. Uh, to, to what extent is the business community uh, in Chicago and around the nation, to what extent are they putting pressure on local leaders to clean up their act and give them more police protection? Um, well, thanks, Bruce. And uh, before we continue... Sorry about the technical difficulties, and I want to be clear on this as well, that I do believe that people with legitimate grievance have a right to protest, and that I do believe that uh, radicals of all sides take advantage of grievances, and that's what we're seeing from the left now. And we'll see it from the right again, as we did in the 1950s again. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, your question about the... um, about the uh, businesses. Um, 
COVID-19, the Wuhan coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, has changed the face of, I think, the face of commercial real estate in major cities. Add to that the fact that business uh, owners will be able to um, conduct business over the phone or Zoom or whatever with their people and cut down the overhead puts amazing stress on big city budgets that are going to be losing property tax revenue. On top of that, you have the violence with the left attacking, basically attacking uh, Democratic-run cities of Democratic administrations. And uh, the combination is not good. And I just a couple of days ago interviewed uh, uh, commerce secretaries and in Indiana and Michigan, and I mean, Indiana and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they're saying to the businesses, come on down. You know, businesses are flocking there, as Roberto knows. And uh, that's bad for the states that cannot deal with the uh, violence issue. Mm-hmm. One follow-up I want to ask you, John, for those uh, listening around the country as well as here in Illinois. Uh, earlier in the program, both Roberto and Judith, uh, they offered their condolences to President Trump on the on the death of his brother, Robert, who he described as one of his best friends. The other news that we have woken up to in Illinois in the last couple of days is that the longest serving governor in Illinois history, James R. Thompson, former United States attorney, had passed away. He was in his late 80s. Uh, you have written about him. You've covered him. Uh, and you've also been critical of uh, sort of the political combine that really he was a part of creating. But as you look at the, yes. the, the, the contributions of Jim Thompson, both good and bad, how would you, where would you put him in the, uh, in the, uh, the history of Illinois as a political leader? I'd say he was a masterful politician. I'll never forget when he was running for re-election, after lying about raising taxes, remember that guy? Yes, yep. He said yes. he raised taxes? Yep. And then I saw him at a uh, African-American church, a black church, in a in a um, choir robe, up with the choir, clapping, mm-hmm. yep. a little bit off. Yep. Time, you know, his timing was a little <laughs> yeah. different. Just but, a little uh, bit. <laughs> but I thought, this guy, this guy has, you know, chutzpah, you know? He did. <laughs> he did. Now, I, I disagreed with a lot of what he did, but um, he was a deal maker, and uh, yeah, the pension, the pension system, and the failure of the public pension is not Mike Madigan's alone, right? I keep saying mm-hmm. that right. uh, Republicans help, but then again, Jim Thompson bent the <laughs> clock back. He put us in a time machine. He turned the clock back to uh, midnight and got the White Sox. Chicago White Sox to stay in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I have to give him, you know, and bent, broke some arms along the way to mm-hmm. get funding. Sure. So I have to give him some credit there. And what grade would you give him as the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois? Because this is an integral part of his political bio that people listening to this broadcast around the country may not know about. Yes, the U.S. attorney in Illinois in the Thompson years and his people they took on after him, um, basically they got four, put four governors in prison, right? Mm-hmm. But And I give them credit for that because they proved their cases in court that the governors of Illinois were, were corrupt. 
But then again, Bruce, I find that in all that time, in all the 50 years or more that people have been focusing on big city politics, I've never seen the Chicago mayor get indicted. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, is it like the magic dust of reform that sprinkles that some fairy sprinkles on the fifth floor to keep it clean? I just wonder about that. Do we have a situation now that our current U.S. attorney, who has already knocked on the door of Edward Burke, of the longtime alderman of the 14th Ward, but now certainly is breathing down the neck of Speaker Michael Madigan. Uh, could this be the next great U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois who's who's bent on, on getting rid of corruption? He and the FBI uh, in Chicago are doing an amazing job. Whether they get Boss Madigan, uh, it remains to be seen, but they, are, they already got ComEd. Right. And a $200 million bribery deal. Right. So people will be talking, and I don't know, yep. but I'm, I'm, I applaud the effort, even though I think all of us thought maybe that Mike Madigan should have retired 10 years ago yep. well, to some castle in Kilkenny. An, inter- an interesting uh, record uh, for the uh, Trump uh, Justice Department in the Northern District of Illinois. John Cass, thank you very much. I apologize to you, our listeners. For all the technical problems we had this evening, Roberto Montano, thanks for carrying the ball. For Joe Biden, Judith Sherwin, thanks very much for representing the president. I'm Bruce Dumont. See you next week. Good night from Evanston, Illinois. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games. But I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV... 
we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership.